Good morning, church. Isn't it beautiful to be in the presence of God? And if you're online, welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church and those of us who are in-house. I pray that God will bless you real good today. So let's start with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just worship you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are our Father and you have called us to your very self. And Daddy, we ask that today you will bless us as you've always done. That you bless your people, you let them to hear what you want them to hear today. Anybody with a burden or of any sort, so Lord, I ask that you will step in into every situation. Some of us have some illness, one form or the other. I pray that you step in and let them know that you are God indeed. And that your love is everlasting and you're touching every need that we have. I pray for those who mourn at this time that you give them comfort. I pray for everybody, Lord, your blessings this day. For in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, Pastor Stevie is on leave. So, hence the whole family is not here today. Um, I will be speaking. and We'll take it from there and see how we go. Uh, we'll sing and the wordings will be on the board. I will sing along as we go. So, song, please. Can we rise?
singing beautiful words I will take our images for track and trace if we don't mind
Thank you. I start with my usual funny stories today again, okay? I'm going to talk about uh, three generational people. Uh, Granny Madge, Mommy Betty, and Daughter Jade. So, Daughter Jade and uh, her mother Betty were always cooking Thanksgiving turkey. And anytime they want to put it in the oven, Mommy will say, okay, let's just cut the legs off and cut the, the tail off. And Jade was wondering, Mom, why do we do this? He says, that's normal for Thanksgiving. Why do you say that? I says, well, my mommy used to do that. Okay, Jade decided she was going to call Granny to find out why they're always cutting the turkey legs off and cutting the, the tail off. Uh, as against the tradition that her mommy was passing down to her. So, she called Granny and said, Gran, my mommy is always asking us, let's cut off this bit of turkey, but that's the part I love eating best. It's very yum. And uh, Gran says, uh, well, in my time, we have very small ovens. So the turkey was not fitting, so we're cutting it. But if you have a big oven and the whole turkey goes in, <laughs> good for the Thanksgiving, just roast the whole turkey. <laughs> Uh, I said this story for a reason. Why are we Christians? Is it just a tradition for us to be Christians? Or do we have, do we really know why we are Christians? So we're going to try to explore this. I, I, I won't tell you that I'm going to tell you everything that you don't already know. But we'll explore it together to refresh our minds. And if we're not Christians yet, to bring us to a place where we will give our lives to Christ. I'm going to read uh, a long portion of the Bible this morning. And that's from the books, book of Romans, chapter 6, from verse 16. No, sorry, chapter 8, from verse 16 to 38. This bit of the Bible here gives us every reason we need to be a Christian. It tells the whole story of the love of God, of the sacrifice, of our place with God. Hallelujah. I start from the 16. It says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also have a share in his glory. I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing to the glory that, we will, that will be revealed in us. The creation awaits eagerly in expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. And for the creation that was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been growing, groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. But in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we have hope for what we do not yet have, we await it patiently. 
In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit helps intercede for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. For those whose God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn amongst many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he has also justified. Those he justified will be glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously, Give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who, has ra who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sakes we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Give God a clap. Amen. So, why do we consider ourselves Christians? And if you're not a Christian and you're hearing me online today, why should you want to be a Christian? When God first created the earth, it was a beautiful place. And God say, saw that it was good. Beautiful garden, human made, everything there, no toiling, food is ready, just walk in beautiful weather. Enjoy Adam and Eve just doing their own thing. That is how God meant us to be. And the Bible records that from time to time, God will come and they'll have physical fellowship. Can you imagine yourself having a one-to-one -one time with the creator of the whole universe? It's a beautiful garden, children. Everything is there. And if you can play with the lion, you can play with the lamb, you can carry the... the that, that we uh, turtle and do stuff, you know. God made everything for man. It was so beautiful. But then, something came in that destroyed it all. 
this beautiful home that God created for us, we destroyed it with something called disobedience. And this disobedience is what we call sin. When you do something that it is not right with God or with any situation, it's sin. You will know instantly, I have gone wrong. And that's where the humans found themselves. The devil came in, convinced Eve, Eve convinced Adam, they ate a fruit that God asked them not to eat. And then we had a separation from God. Because the instruction was that if any day they eat that fruit, they die. So the day Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they begin to decay. But on the other side, God instantly made another plan for us. A plan for life because God loved us so much, he couldn't stand by and allow us to die. Sin is not a good thing. Sin is not what we should practice. There is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible asks us to bless the Lord and that we should not forget his benefits. Hallelujah. So when we are trying to separate ourselves from God, we should know that whatever benefit that comes with the love of God, with the presence of God, we lose it. So it's not just about a future uh, inheritance or something. There are benefits for us to be a Christian, even right here on earth. Being a Christian restores us to a beautiful relationship with God. If you're not a Christian, you're like that dry patched land. Nothing flourishes. Everything dead. Whatever life you have is nothing. But when you reconcile yourself to God, then you flourish. Then you're beautiful. Then your character reflects beautiful character and people want to come close to you. All the nastiness vanishes. The character of a Christian is so beautiful that even wherever you are, you do something odd, the people will go, oh, I thought you were a Christian because you have gone against the grain. So how do we become a Christian or what makes us a Christian? Staying away from the things as against the world is one of the main things. But we will go into the core issues of what makes us a Christian. The conviction that God is real. If you don't know about God, there's no way you can become a Christian. If you assume that the world came into existence by some mistake, then you're not ready to be a Christian yet. If you think the coordination of your body is by some explosion that happened, then you're not ready to be a Christian yet. If you think that you graduated from some Amoeba to a lizard to a to a monkey to become a human, and you're not ready to be a Christian yet. But those things, I wonder how science came up across that. I don't think that's real science, by the way. Excuse me for standing here and declaring that. Because the lizard still exists, 
what will they become since we've been here, we've been human, the history of human has been, and we've not evolved into something else. So where does the evolution that a monkey became a man come from? Secondly, we need to know that salvation is God's plan for us. The moment Adam and Eve fell, God already created another plan for us to come to salvation. And then, it is not just that God made the plan. This is where our input comes in. We need to accept that Christ died for our sins. And that's the point where the reconciliation comes, where the gap between us and God is brought together, where we begin to enjoy that fellowship with God. As a Christian, I am saved. I love my fellowship with God. When I'm in his presence, it is an absolute bliss. The worries are away. Fulfillment is there. So know why you are a Christian. It's important. Because like we did, eventually she gets to get the turkey legs and the turkey uh, tail, which she enjoys to eat. Being a Christian begins with your conviction that God is there and that you have a right standing with him. Realize that Jesus was given as a sacrifice. I keep on repeating this. God is unable to change his word. So when he says a soul that sins will, will surely die, something has to die for every sin that happens. In his love, he allowed his own son, Jesus, who was sinless, to come and die to take away our sins. If you're online, I'm thinking, you're wondering, does this make sense? Yes, it does. Because God never changes. He's same today. He's same yesterday. He's same forever. When he says, he says, I esteem my word above my name. So when God says a thing, that thing will surely come to pass. So when he says a soul that sinner to surely die, so will it. So somebody takes the place of our soul and gives his life so that we might have a life. Jesus says, I come to give you life, and not just to give you life, to give it to you in abundance. Glory to God. So, cool, summer day, nice benefit of being a Christian. I'm sure we are eager to hear this. I know you know it, but it's good to hear it said. Yes, church, feel free to respond. I'm used to hearing people talk back to me. <laughs> uh-huh. The first benefit from my standpoint is the love of God. Since nothing can separate us from the love of God. Imagine you have your partner and you're in love. Imagine the feeling you get from it. But this goes a notch, not just a notch, a lot, lot more than that. The love of God is agape. 
a love that has no basis, a love that is unending, a love that is so deep that you cannot get to the bottom of it, so high that you can't get to the top of it, so wide that you can't swim enough, and it's everywhere. He surrounds you with his love. When you have a right standing with God, when you have given your life to Christ and that level ground is made between you and God and you can come into the holies of holies, into his presence, it is so beautiful a relationship that I dare you, if you don't believe in Christ right now, that you give your life to Christ and come and enjoy these feelings with me. The next one for me is the grace of God. Somebody make, made an acronym with the word grace. It says, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. The grace of God gives you enablement. The grace of God gives you that freedom. The grace of God gives you strength when you are weak. The grace of God brings you to a place of yadah, a place of restoration, a place where you feel just cool with yourself. Hallelujah. We need to be in right standing with God. Another benefit as a Christian is that we have mercy. Mercy means you are down. You have done the evil thing. And you are supposed to be condemned. And then the judge comes. I tamper justice with mercy. You're supposed to be hanged. But I'm going to give you uh, just two months imprisonment. Oh, you're supposed to be imprisoned, but I'm going to give you community service. You sweep the, the streets or stuff like that. But the mercy of God is such that we are condemned to die. He says, if you say in your heart that you do not sin, you lie. It means automatically we are all subject to death. But glory to God... Jesus came, and the mercy of God reigns, and we come to the mercy seat, not to the judgment throne, and we are redeemed and sanctified and made holy with God's holiness. Now, the beautiful gift we get for being a Christian is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, Jesus says, I go and I spend, send my Spirit, and my Spirit will be with you to the end of days. So when Jesus disappeared, the Spirit of God, which usually will come at random to do a special work in the time past, become available to the Christian like a tap water that you tap in anytime you turn, the water is flowing. It's like the air we breathe is there and we're just taking it in. And that is the gift we get for becoming the children of God, to, for becoming Christians now. Because the Spirit of God lives in us. It is closer to us than the tongue that is in our mouth. It is right inside our heart. Hallelujah. And this spirit gives us direction. It ministers to us. You stand there, you are struck, and the spirit of God ministers to you on what you need to do at any given turn. He says, I will guide your faith. I am a lamp unto your faith. The spirit of God gives us direction, brethren. It, gives, it makes us to be able to live a righteous life. This is not by our might, lest we boast. It is by the Spirit of God. We get inner peace. Peace is the ability to be calm in, f 
face of trouble, in times of happiness. At all times, you have that coolness that you wonder. People say, is he okay when everybody is worried? But how and why do we have this peace? First of all, one of the titles of our Lord Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. He says, I give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. So when the whole world is bubbling, you're calm. Why? Because you know it is not your burden to carry. It says, cast your burden. So when you tell God what your issues is, you know that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who created everything, who is in charge, is in charge. So why won't you have your peace? You don't know the number of hairs that's on your head, but he knows. Before you were conceived, he knows you. He knows you by your name. So today, if you're still to be a Christian, I want you to know that coming to become a Christian guarantees you that you have the peace that passes understanding of men with you. All that worries, that hypertension, everything that goes on and you, ah, is gone. Because you know that a greater, greater, greater power is in charge. God Almighty. Being a Christian makes you to receive forgiveness for anything you ever done. It is wiped away. Because the Spirit of God dwells in you, you're able to now live a righteous life. See, there's therefore no condemnation in our hearts. You are free from that guilt. You are free from every shame. He bore our shame. At the cross, he took it and nailed it away, and it is finished. He wants you to come and have a free-flowing mind, knowing that you are reconciled with your Father, knowing that you are free to relate with God. Glory to his name. The Bible records that on that day when he was hung on the cross and they had pierced him and they had nailed the thing on his head and he was up there with nails piercing his hand, his leg, and it was not enough. And the sword man goes, he's still not dead. And they poking him with a sword and the blood and the water flowed. And then the clouds went dark and the curtains that separates us from the heavens was torn apart, and we have access to the Holy of Holies. These things sound spiritual, they are physical as well, because we are physical beings and we have a relationship with God. And that takes me to the next point, which is we get the gift of prayer. This is the biggest power handed to anybody ever in history. Ability to pray. You come, you simply come to the presence of God, and because you are a Christian, God hears you. He says, come. Ask. Seek me. The gates is open. The curtain is drawn open. You walk freely into the presence of the creator, of your maker, and you reason with him. And you say, Father, that's the title he has allowed you because you are now a believer. He has given you the right to be called the sons of God. So you can actually come to him and say, Abba, my father, this is my issue. Father, how are you today? I'm feeling great. Can you guide my steps today, please? I don't want to make a misstep. 
If I'm going to see anything, can you let the spirit minister to me to stop? And God will honor you. Why? Because you have a right standing with him. He will give you that strength. He will give you that direction. He will give you what you need each day. And every day, say, you should not worry. He clothes the birds. He clothes the flowers. Why are you? You is more important. Why will he not take care of you? He's our father. And he loves us so much. We have a verse in the Bible called Philippians, uh, book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 19. You know, as much as you take this verse spiritually, I want you to also take it physically. It says, God supplies all our needs. Do you hear that? It is not how much you struggle to supply your own needs. God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Can you begin to imagine God's riches in his glory? Why do you need to worry? Why won't you have your peace? Why won't he guide you in the paths of righteousness? Pray. When you struggle, pray when you're happy. Pray when you're singing. Pray, say, pray without season. It doesn't mean you must stand like the Pharisee on the corner of the street and make everybody see that you're standing there and mumbling away, jumbo, dumbo, jumbo, that you're praying to God. Let them respect you that you are a godly person. No, that's not what I'm saying. Prayer is about your relationship with your father, and you can talk just like you can talk to your earthly father anyway. Come to him on the street and say, Daddy, one minute, please. Daddy, can I get a penny? Daddy, you can do that with God because he has given you the right. Prayer as a power handed to us that we can tap into the greatest, greatest power that ever exists. Because there's no power greater than God. He is the creator of everything we can see beyond what our eyes can see. He's the creator of galaxies. Yet, as micro as we sound in the, in the scheme of things, we have the right to call him our father. Next one, for those who are very spiritual, we finish with, uh, with earth. There is something else for being a Christian. Our life is not ended just because we transit from this world. There is something called eternal life. And as a Christian, you are guaranteed a place with God. In the presence of God. Hallelujah. Jesus says, I go to make a place so that where I am, there will ye be also. So you labor and you finish from here. He's going to make a mansion for, place, for you. And in this place, as a place where there is no thirst, there is no hunger, there is no pain, there is no sorrow. It's a joyful presence in the presence of God forevermore, ever and ever and ever. Happiness, joy unending, presence of God, no hunger, no thirst, no pain, no aging, all goodness forever. Hallelujah. We are in a time that we spend now Maximum I've seen of anybody, 105 years old. Think of foreverness. 105 times billion, times billion, times billion, time without end. We will be in presence of God and we will be enjoying, be having fellowship with our Father. And that is the promise for after now. A popular verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
God did not send his son to condemn us. But that whoever, or whoever does not believe, that becomes your job. Whoever that does not believe is condemned. It's not from me. I'm not condemning you. I'm just giving you the verses from the Bible, as this is said, because the Bible is true. So we need to believe. If an insurance person comes to sell his insurance to you, he will tell you the, all the reasons why you need to buy into whatever. If I'm coming to sell you an orange, I will tell you how when you're thirsty, you squeeze it, you need your vitamin C in your body, it's good for you and all that. If you're online or wherever you are and you're hearing my voice, I'm doing a sales pitch for you today to give your life to Christ because there are loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of benefits that comes with it. And I implore you, if you're a Christian here today, don't take all the goodness and keep it to yourself alone. We need to share. You have anybody in your family that you love? Speak to them about the love of God. Bring them to the place where they will have what you have. Where they have the spirit of God in them. Where they have peace in their heart where they will not have anything to worry about. And even when they have something to worry about, they know who somebody who is greater than all things they can go to in prayer. Let them know that it doesn't all end here on earth. There's an eternity. Eternity with God is something to be coveted. It's something we need to work towards. It's something... You need to fight for. So Christianity is not just about being called a Christian. It's about your lifestyle. It's about a lifestyle that you're comfortable in, that you enjoy yourself, even right here on earth. But I implore you that don't throw your life even for the eternity. Because the opposite of an eternity with God is eternal damnation. When you hear the Bible description of it, it's not something I want to stand here and talk about. Or it's not a good place. So I beg you in the name of God that even if you have never thought about being a Christian, give it a thought. Search for it yourself. There are some people in the Bible called the Bereans, and they were praised for not just taking people's word for face value, for taking time to go back and look at what has been said to see if there's any truth in it and to get the conviction for themselves. So I implore you to do that. You're not a Christian and you've heard my voice today. Try to check out what I've just said. What does it mean to be a Christian? How do I, what are the benefits? What does it mean for eternity? Does, do, do humans just die and we wither away and we rot and it's away? Or do we have something beyond that? Just to give you a wee bit insight into the fact that we are not just beings that rot away. Imagine yourself in a dream. Imagine in that dream you are running about doing stuff. And you wake up and you find yourself right here. And you think you've never been in there because you find yourself here. Imagine this is a bigger dream and you wake up into eternity. And imagine you've not done the right thing and you're in the wrong place. I will say God forbid to that. May the Lord bless you. If you have, if you have a need of prayer, you can stay and we hold hands and pray after I've finished. Take it from there. But I will implore us all to take our Christian life seriously and to know that God is there for us. And if God is for us, who or what can be against us?
So I'll just pray for us and then we'll close. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you because you are God and there's no contestation of that. You're God all by yourself. But you have pulled us to yourself and you have called us your children. Give us that enablement. Give us the mindset to understand you more and more. As we go out, let's not go out of your presence, but you will guide and direct us even all through the week that is coming. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for this day. It is a day you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Blessed be your holy name, Father. For in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I will say God bless you, God keep you, and may the Lord make his face to shine upon you. Amen.